Well, thank you so much for joining. My name is Jeff Fuller, J Fuller Interviews on Instagram and Twitter, the YouTube channel, and on Facebook as the Facebook group, J Fuller Interviews, also Google Podcasts and iTunes as the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J Fuller Interviews. Joining me now via the telephone is Bernie Carbo. Bernie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for making the time. And right now with Major League Baseball in the middle of playoffs, I often think of you as a Red Sox fan that uh, going back to 1975, the year I was born, but where legends were made, you had a historic home run back in game six. But before we get to that, could you just talk about playing in the major leagues? What was that experience like for you? Was that always a dream for you to play at that level? You know, I didn't start playing uh, organized ball until I was 11 years old. My dad wanted me to play in the yard and play in the fields and out in the park or whatever it may be. But I started playing when I was 11. And when I was about 15 years old, I realized that I was pretty good. And I was playing with college kids. And then that's when scouts started talking to me, wondering what college I went to. And I was in the 10th grade. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I have a chance. And I met Bill Joy at that time, who was the bird dog for Cincinnati. ended up being a GM and everything else in baseball. Matter of fact, he worked for the Red Sox. And uh, I knew that uh, he liked me a lot. And when I was drafted, uh, I struggled for the first two years, three years in the minor leagues. And I, believe it or not, they wanted to make a pitcher out of me. And I was like, no. <laughs> and then I got a hold of Sparky Anderson, got a hold of me and Don Zimmer. And they made me come to the ballpark early and work out and practice hard and uh, live the right life and do the things I needed to do. And when I got to the big leagues, of course, I was told that, you know, you're going to be here, but you're not going to be here long and whatever. But I ended up spending 12 years. I was uh, sporting news rookie of the year. I uh, played in 1970 World Series. I ended up with playing with the Cardinals with the great Bob Gibson, who just passed away in Loop Rock. Uh, it's been a hard time for the Hall of Famers, but I was very fortunate to go to uh, Boston. And in St. Louis, I had Sam Musial as a hitting instructor. Then I went to Boston. I met Mr. Ted Williams, and he was my hitting instructor. And then in 1975, of course, I hit the pinch hit home run. I tied a record for pinch hit home runs in the World Series for two. And then my career, when I got traded in 76 after Mr. Yawkey died, I pretty pretty much went downhill the rest of my career. And I found out I was out of baseball at 32 years old. So um, it was a lot of fun. I look back. you know, I was very angered and very upset about what my career, how it ended. But I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Uh, I did a lot of things wrong in my career. And then, uh, of course, uh, my mother committed suicide. My dad died. And, and uh, I was went through a divorce. And I was contemplating suicide myself. And I ended up going to rehab. Of course, I didn't have a problem. I had anxiety attack. Ended up in the hospital. But prior to that, Dalton Jones in the senior league introduced me to Jesus Christ. And I prayed to take Christ in my life, but my life didn't change. And as I went into the hospital, uh, a gentleman read the word to me, read the Bible, and said that, uh, you know, I need to know God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and read the word and be in God and be in prayer. And as I walked out, I asked the old man what his name was. And he said, my name's not important in the name of Jesus. And as I was, he was a retired pastor. And then when I went back into rehab, uh, 
I met a gentleman there who was, it wasn't a 12 step Christian program. And he came there. He says, I'm a, I'm a counselor working for, in this program. I'm here to disciple you in the name of Jesus. And discipleship is learning more about God. So after rehab, I was going home and I'm, uh, a gentleman called, called Schillings came over and we started the Diamond Club Ministry. And that's what I do. I teach baseball and tell kids about Jesus Christ. I speak in, uh, I speak in, uh, I speak in colleges, high schools, grade schools. I speak in men's groups. I go any place to tell people about Jesus Christ. I do a lot of men's groups, speak in churches, do a lot of different things. But uh, I'll be going to Houston, Texas uh, this month on the 17th to do a men's group, about 55 to 75 men. Uh, I've been speaking in churches, like I said, but uh, you can go to BernieCarbuckle.com and you can uh, find out exactly what my Diamond Club ministry is about. I'm full-time ministry, but uh, yeah, baseball as a kid, uh, you know, it's not like today. I made $476,000 my whole career, hmm. and these guys making one pitch, one at bat. <laughs> Rookies make a million dollars. When I played, the average salary was probably anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five thousand. But minimum salary when I played was ten thousand dollars. So, wow. wasn't a lot of money. But I didn't want on strike. I was telling a young kid today in the minor leagues. I said, you know, we went on strike to make things better for you kids, but you don't have minor league baseball right now, so it makes it really difficult for these kids. But uh, I knew that I had big league material, but uh, with all everything that happened in my life, I kind of didn't think much about baseball. I should have been thinking. Yeah. But anyway, that's, uh, well, Bernie, you, uh, <laughs> you, uh, were born or you grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Did you always enjoy being part of the city or did you grow up more in the country aspect? I grew up in the city of Detroit and I was a Detroit Tiger fan. I was an LK line fan, Norm Cash and, just love the Detroit Tigers. I wanted to play with the Detroit Tigers. Matter of fact, if I would have been a little bit more honest with Bill LaJoy as the GM for Detroit when Sparky Anderson was the manager and I got released in 1980, they were asking me questions about the drugs in, the, in baseball and, and whatever, and I could have probably confessed that I was then at that time and got some help and went into rehab and maybe been played another few more years with the Detroit Tigers or whatever, but I also got drafted by the Yankees after I got released, but hmm. I had in my contract, I didn't want to play in New York and I didn't want to play for the Yankees, but it wasn't because I hated the Yankees. I just felt that that wasn't a place that I could probably make my life yeah. better than what I was living. You know what I mean? So George said, well, Bernie Carbo don't want to play for the Yankees. Well, I could have probably could have extended my, my uh, career, but I would have been honest with George and said, the reason I don't want to play here. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, hmm. and I deal with a lot of drugs. So I imagine he would have put me in rehab, too. But I didn't go to rehab until I was 43 years old. And uh, thank God I did. And I, and I went into the hospital. I met Dalton Jones, who led me to the Lord. And, you know, I've been clean now for 26 years. That's amazing. Uh, Bernie, just because when you were drafted in 1965, that was the inaugural draft. You were the number one pick by the Cincinnati Reds. What did you know about being drafted as it was the first time? Did anybody give you prep or tell you what to expect? No, we didn't have any lawyers or 
agents or anything like that. I, I really was hoping that the draft would come about where teams could bargain for you. And uh, I was end up being drafted number one, 16th out of the United States. I was 17 years old. I always tell people Johnny Bench was number two draft and Hal McRae was number three. <laughs> and uh, so the number one draft choice, I really enjoyed playing. I had a good time playing. I really enjoyed myself. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just made a lot of bad choices. When I tell kids today, without Jesus Christ, that uh, it's very difficult because God want, God created us in his image and his likeness. He gave us, gave us the heart to desire him. And when you work for God, he says, yeah, I created you to work in my image and my likeness. Work hard. I give you the glory. Give me the glory. I give the glory to God. And uh, he doesn't, you know, you work hard. You want to do the glory for God. Work hard to be the best you can at anything you do. And whatever you achieve, if you fail or you strike out 100 times or you hit the ball 100 times, you hit 100 home runs or whatever it may be, God's still going to love you. And he's always going to love you. And all he wants you to do your best and glorify him. So I wouldn't like to play baseball at 17, but a lot of guys say, you know what, you wouldn't have went through the things you went through to meet, reach other men for the glory of God and give the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is Jesus Christ died on that cross. He was God, created all things for himself and created all things. And, you know, for John three sixteen, for God gave his only begotten son that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his only son and, and he died on that cross to go on sin in the world. And uh, whose blood was shed to cleanse us from our past, present, and future sins. He was buried, he rose from the grave, and he ascended into heaven. And if you believe these things there, I'm telling you, when I talk to kids, I give them the gospel. I talk to men, it's the gospel. Everything's the gospel of Jesus. And right now, what we're going through is the world needs Jesus Christ. Well, that's so true. And uh, thank you for sharing that uh, with us today. Uh, so can you just share about how you found your way to the Boston Red Sox? And did you wear number one because you had been the Reds' first pick overall? No, I I wore number one because number one was in the number one was the first name in the scorecard, and number one was <laughs> the first one in your heart. <laughs> so I wanted number one. I didn't know that Bobby Doerr wore number one, and he was uh, he was a Hall of Famer, and he retired his number. But I got a great chance to wear number one. But I wore number one. I, I when I first came to big leagues, I wore number twenty five. Mm -hmm. And I like number 25. I didn't like number dozen or number two. And uh, I like number 11, 7, 9, but uh, I do like number one. And number one in your scorecard and number one in your heart. That's uh, really and good. And I say that because, you know, I play the greatest game I've ever played in my whole life. And I tell the greatest story that I've ever, ever, that's ever been told, and that's Jesus Christ. That's really good. Bernie Carbo, again, joining us, BernieCarbo.com is where you can find more information. Uh, ESPN did an Outside the Lines feature about you and your life a few years ago. How difficult was that for you just to come to grips with what had been done in a fashion where you made it public for so many people to uh, hear, but also be inspired by with your turnaround? Well, I was very surprised, you know, uh, ESPN did a great job on that. It's outside the lines of Bernie Carbo's story. I still use that when I show it to men, and it's an introduction to my life. And uh, I was really happy that ESPN did that. Uh, I'm very proud of the, the story they did, the way they did it. 
and uh, opened up my life to a lot of people. And I think that alone has reached people. And there were some articles written in the Boston Herald about my life and things like that, magazines. Uh, so also we have, uh, um, I think there's a Christian Christian magazine coming out in November with my story. Uh, we also wrote a book, Outside the Lines, uh, which, which came from the book that I wrote, is Saving Bernie Carbo. Saving Bernie Carbo uh, by um, Dr. Um, Peter Ansis, who's, uh, who's a great friend of mine who wrote the book. We got together. We sat together for about five weeks and discussed it. It took about a year or so to get it written, and uh, we self-published ourselves. Uh, you can go on Amazon and look for it or go to BernieCarbo.com or call me and give me an address and we'll mail it to you. Hmm. Uh, with an autograph, it's $25, but it's called Saving Bernie Carbo. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, it's, uh, it's a remarkable uh, thing that happened, and I'm, I'm real happy with everything that's gone on in my life. One thing about it was that when you live with the devil and you live with the demons, and, and they, all you see is the ugliness of your life and the pain and the hurt and the anger and the bitterness and things that happen, you know, you just dwell on it. And then when I came to know the Lord, God has shown me the greatness of my life and the things that happened in my life where I guys that I played with and teams I played with with such great stars and great Hall of Famers. You know, I played with Cincinnati, Pete Rose, Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, Cardinals, Lou Brock, you know, and Bob Gibson, Ted Simmons, and uh, Joe Torrey, and then go to Boston and play with Carl Yastrzemski and meet Sam Musial, Ted Williams, and, you know, and just played for Pittsburgh with big star Joe David Parker, and it's just fortunate when God allows you to see the things in your life that he renews your life, and he lets you see the goodness of your life, and you come to know the Lord. And it's a journey. It's a long journey, and it's a journey that you look at yourself and understand that you have to repent of your sins, be reborn, and become that man that God wants you to become, and to be the spiritual leader of your family, and be the father and father of your children. So it's been a remarkable journey. It's, it's, uh, it's not always, you know, there are going to be tribulations and troubles and problems in your life, but um, God will guide you through it, and he doesn't give you more than you can handle, and he's continuously always molding you in his image. So it's been a remarkable walk, and it's one walk, one step at a time, each time, each day, and you need to be prayed up and keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. So, Oh, that's the truth. That's uh, 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 an exciting life. Bernie, I have a question for you. In that ESPN Outside the Lines piece, it talked about uh, your reaction when you heard Keith Hernandez had outed you or shared that you introduced him to cocaine. Can you just share why you were so upset and how did you learn to forgive that accusation by all reports was accurate, but it was just so cutting that your parents had to find out that way of your involvement with drugs? Yeah, it's... uh... It's a sad story. Uh, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have been the one to introduce them to the drug. I would like to be the one to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Hmm. Uh, forgiveness comes with the love, love of God. You know, the people in this world are not your enemy. Your enemy is Satan, and you have to love your enemy. And uh, you need to lead people to Christ and give a testimony and give the gospel. So it was uh, an awakening call for me to realize that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I had a problem. And I think that uh, that problem was recognized when 
millions of people heard on TV during that case that Bernie Carbo was the first name mentioned that introduced Ethan Anders to cocaine. And I had to face the... I am an alcoholic and drug addict, and I'm leading people in the wrong direction, and I'm living the life of hell, and it's I'm going to die and go to hell. And I still didn't know Jesus Christ at that time. Mm. Nobody, you know, wasn't a witness or... You know, God sends a, a raft, sends a canoe, sends a boat, and he sends a ship. <laughs> and our eyes are closed to everything, and we don't see the truth. But uh, I think when you when you reach your dead end and you're ready to die, God left a phone call from Bill Lee, Ferguson Jenkins, uh, Sam McDowell, baseball assistance team. I'm in rehab, and God has a way of putting people in your life to get you to go in the right direction. So I was, you know, God has this timing is perfect. And uh, I, I just so grateful that, uh, uh, you know, I came to know the Lord. And then, uh, you know, I went through a divorce, but I ended up marrying Tammy, who was a Christian and had a Christian son. Uh, he, she came to know the Lord when she was nine and she was a good Christian woman and she was raising her son. And his, his, he, when I, I got married and adopted him. He wanted me to adopt him and give him my, my name. And he's uh, Bernardo Christopher Carbo uh, Jr. And uh, he's a major in the Army. Got a doctor's degree in clinical psychology. Loves the Lord. He's married and got a little three-year-old girl, uh, Annalise. And he's got a five-year-old Bristol. And that's why we're moving to Carolina. Wow. And to be with him, uh, we're packing up here in Mobile, Alabama. I've been here 24 years, so I'm ready to go. Hmm. We're packing, and right as I'm talking to you, we're making that stand to, to go on with our lives and be with my son and his two kids. And I'm 73, and I'm not retired from telling people about Jesus, but I want to retire and be with those little babies and my <laughs> wife, so I'm anxious about that. Oh, for sure. Uh, well, yeah, Bert, but I tell you, there's no better life right now than living with Jesus Christ. I mean, I've been clean for 26 years. I've been married for 26. I've been, you know, my son has made a good man out of himself. He's a major working with the Rangers in psychology. Uh, it's, it's just amazing what God can do in a man's life. Well, that's and so be forgiven, which is, which is really which is so unbelievable that you can be forgiven and move on with your life and right. be reborn. But you still, you still have to understand that you really, you really have to be in the word of God. Yeah. You have to read the word, meditate on it and pray and have the spirit just come into your heart and understand the fact that the word of God is so important for people to understand what it's all about. So I always, I always have a, I want to encourage people, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to seek the truth, pick up the Bible and start reading it. From Genesis to Revelation, you can read Ezekiel and you can read Daniel and Isaiah and then John and Matthew and all through the Bible and Revelation. It's just, oh, it's just so beautiful. Uh, it's all about Jesus Christ and the gospel and showing you, it's actually, it's your life manual. You know, you buy a new car, you gotta look at the manual to figure out some of these things that are in these cars right. today. But the fact is, that's my manual. Uh, 
I do Bible studies on phone because the churches are closed right now, but I do a Bible study with Ray McKenzie out of uh, Springfield, Mass. He lives in Granby. I do one here with John Hilliard on the phone, Bob Tomaso in Florida on the phone, and Big Al in North Carolina. So I think that, you know, we are the, we are the high priests. We are, we're the temple of God, and we can have we can have our own church over the phone or in our homes or whatever. And God says, do not forsake your gathering, brothers, to get together and sharpen iron and sharpen iron, you know. And I think it's really important for men to be into some Bible study with the church. And not only you can do it at home, but you need to be the spiritual leader, praying with your wife, raising your children. It's very important for men to, to stand on the Stand on the truth, stand firm, and have and be courageous, and speak it in love and grace and mercy. Oh, that's so and good. That's some of the things that I'm learning a little bit myself about the grace and mercy of God. He says, Bernie, you need to have grace. How important it is to have faith in God through the faith and grace of God that we need that, that faith yeah. and that grace. Oh, we do, and we learn that new every day, that His mercies are new every morning. Bernie Carbo, BernieCarbo.com. And Bernie, could you just, as we just close this interview, thank you again for making the time, but talk about being with the Boston Red Sox in 1975, Game 6 of the World Series, and you were called on to pinch hit. What was going through your mind when that happened? You know, the, the Boston Red Sox is when I met Mr. Yawkey, I, I gave him twenty dollars to buy me a cheeseburger <laughs> and fries, and he and he. And when I found out I gave it to Mr. Yawkey, I told him, "Oh man, I'm really sorry." And he says, "Bernie, just win the game." <laughs> and when you know, I wanted, I needed, uh, I was the first ball player to take the arbitration, and I lost. And I went to him. I said, "You know, my wife's pregnant. I have my third baby, and I need, I need ten thousand dollar raise that I asked for." And I need to buy a home, and uh, you can take it out of my check if I can get $10,000 advanced. Three days later, I had an envelope in my, my, my locker, and it was $10,000. He never took a penny out of my, out of my checks. Wow. And I put that uniform on for the first time in my life at Boston. And that, that uniform meant so much for me. I played for that uniform. I played for Mr. Yawkey. But when he died in 76, my career died. Hmm. I, I tell you, in 1975, that home run was all for the Boston Red Sox fans and Mr. Yawkey, and I put that uniform on, and I was proud to wear that uniform. And as I'm rounding second base, I'm flying around those bases, and I'm yelling at Pete Rose, don't you wish that we were this strong? <laughs> and Pete's yelling back, man, isn't this fun? Isn't this fun? That was the most fun I've ever had in my life, but to get traded in 76, was the end of my career. And when mm. Mr. Yawkey died, I was heartbroken. And I, I just, uh, I think I gave up playing baseball. And I bounced around, and very quickly I ended up being released at 33 years old. My career was over with. So, But if I look back, I look at Mr. Yawkey, and I, I wish that we would have won that World Series before he died. But what a great man. Boston Red Sox, Fenway Park, the fans. Uh, my heart is always in Boston. I love Boston. And I've been going up there for 26 years preaching Jesus from all the way from Maine to Vermont, all the way through New Hampshire, Connecticut, and all through 
Boston area, and boy, I've just loved going up there. It's the most beautiful part of the country, especially in the fall. Yeah, it is. Maine is beautiful with all the water and everything, and, and Vermont's very peaceful, and there's a remnant there of people who believe in Jesus. But I, I love New England. I really do. My heart's there. And uh, just want to say thank you for all the Red Sox fans. Thank you for having me on the radio. And uh, baseball is the greatest game ever played, and the greatest story we told is Jesus Christ. Well, that's so true and a lot of fun. Uh, before I let you go, it was the eighth inning of Game 6 of the World Series, 1975. You're standing at the plate. What's going through your head? And talk to us about those at-bats that led to that game-tying three-run home run. Well, I took probably the worst swing in the history of baseball on a 2-2 count where the umpire called the ball a ball. Bench is arguing that was a strike. I took it out of his glove. It went two feet. Rico Petroselli's on first base. He said it looked like a pitcher hurt his arm trying to learn to hit. And <laughs> Coach Don Zimmer just turned his back and said, this is done, this is done. And Bench said it was the worst Little League swing he ever saw. And Pete Rose, of course, just shook his head. And then the next pitcher, when I hit the home run, uh, he was just having fun. And it was uh, – it was, a, it was a, a ball that I hit. I didn't know it was going to be out of the park until Geronimo turned his back. And uh, it was exciting. But the life that I was living, for years after that, I didn't realize I batted again and I struck out. And when I saw the video for the first time, years later, my wife said, would have been nice if you had hit another home run. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it would have been nice if I remembered I batted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and again, that's uh, Game 6 of the World Series, which Carlton Fisk hit the uh, home run in the 12th inning that led to a Game 7. You said before how disappointing you were because of your relationship with Mr. Yaki of not winning the World Series for him and the franchise at the time. But I do believe that God has a plan for our lives. And though you've had your ups and downs, you've had more ups after baseball than you did just because your faith is in Jesus. And I just thank you so much for sharing that testimony and making some time to be with us today. So thank you, Bernie. It's always a pleasure. Well, you be blessed, brother, and I love you, okay? Thank you for calling me, and it's uh, call me anytime you want. All right, buddy? All right. Thanks so much, Bernie. You have a wonderful rest of your week. Yes, you be blessed, brother. All right. Thanks again. And again, that's Bernie Carbo, berniecarbo.com, 1975 World Series, game six of that. That's when many have said the Boston Red Sox won that World Series, even though they actually lost that World Series in seven games. What a memory that is. And uh, with sports going on now, it's definitely a different time. So let's get together and share stories and share memories and laugh and know what is most important. It's not sports, even though I love sports, but it goes well beyond that. Well, we thank you so much for making the time. My name is Jeff Fuller. J Fuller Interviews is where you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and the YouTube channel, J Fuller Interviews, as well as the Facebook group. Please join there. The Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J Fuller Interviews on Google Podcasts and iTunes. And we just want to thank you for making the time and taking the time to listen to this incredible interview with Mr. Bernie Carbo. We want to wish him and his family all the best. And thank you all for making time to listen today. <laughs>